This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 86. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you might be getting your podcasts. And to remind you to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, which I'll talk a little bit more about at the tail end of this episode. So for this week's episode, I wanted to talk about gray market, and whether or not you should avoid it. So a question that I get frequently from photographers that are either new to photography or are photography students, and this is a question that also shows up a lot in a lot of the photography groups I'm in on Facebook, is what is gray market and should I buy it? What exactly are gray market items other than cheaper? So first, let me start by saying that all of the major camera manufacturers are foreign to the United States and they have U.S. counterparts that import and sell their products in the U.S. Nikon and Canon both have their U.S. offices located on Long Island, New York. Fujifilm is north of White Plains, New York. Sony is in New York City. And most of the rest of them are located in New York City as well, whether it's like a Pentax or Olympus, whoever. They all have offices primarily in New York City. That's where their U.S. headquarters are located. And it's because New York's the largest city in the United States. And it's also right there on the coast. So it's not uncommon for things to be imported into New York City. So these U.S. offices are the only official source for importing camera bodies, lenses, and etc. from the factories in Japan, Germany, and elsewhere. And these offices sell in the U.S. market with U.S. warranties. The manufacturers do this to protect not only the consumers, but their profit margins as well, which makes sense. It's, I mean, it's completely logical to do that. The reason many people are attracted to gray market items is the savings in pricing versus buying in the U.S. Now, most of the time, the gray market items are made in the same factory as the ones sold in the U.S. market and to the same specs. They use the same parts, quality control, etc. But in this day and age, there is a lot of counterfeiting going on out of China. So you have to be very careful where and how you buy your gray market items because you don't want to end up with something that's completely counterfeit. Now, one of the disadvantages of buying gray market is when you buy a gray market item, you cannot go to Nikon US, Canon US, or whoever to get the service done on that item or for any warranty repairs. Even if the item is made in their factory, since it was not imported into the U.S. to be sold in the United States by their U.S. division, they do not get their markups and they're not obligated to honor any warranty, and quite often they won't. 
Now, right now, there is a large legal battle between Canon and gray market sellers on eBay. Canon USA is suing them for hurting their business, which is kind of odd as the gray market sellers have been doing it for decades. And Canon didn't seem to care until just in the last few years. Now, some of the large, reputable dealers in the United States also sell gray market lenses, at least. Now, B&H in New York City is one of them, and they even have a gray market section on their website. And I'll include a link to that in the show notes for this episode so you can check it out for yourself. Now, the... In the case of a large company like B&H, and I apologize, I briefly lost my train of thought, they offer a comparable warranty on their gray market items and service and warranty them through their massive New York City store, and they also have their own support and repair center um, that's attached to their New York City superstore. Now, many people have differing opinions on gray gray market, my opinion, is do your homework and then decide for yourself if the cost savings is worth it. Now, I have bought some gray market lenses as the savings were huge compared to buying the U.S. model and the dealer I bought from is a very reputable dealer and they warranty the items themselves. But not all of them do this and many use slick talk and ads to con you out of your hard-earned money, so you have to be careful. I would not buy a camera body gray market as it's the most important piece of my photography setup. I only buy genuine USA models only from an authorized Canon or Fuji dealer because I do shoot both. So I know that when it needs service, I can send it to either Canon or Fuji US service centers. And I know that the repairs will be done properly by the manufacturer's service center and it'll be shipped directly back to me. Now, as I mentioned in an earlier blog post, uh, several ways to save on lenses, like buying them from pawn shops, Craigslist, eBay, or from members of local camera clubs. Most new photographers, and especially photography students, don't have trust fund money, so you need to find those deals wherever you can. I even made a fair share of extra money buying old FD lenses for almost nothing at local pawn shops as they had been sitting on them for sometimes 10, 12 years because nobody wanted them. And then I would sell them on eBay for a really good profit and then turn around and use that money to buy a new lens or body that I wanted. Now, when it comes to gray market, you still get the same performance from these items as they are still made by the same company in the same factories to the same specs, tolerances, and so on. So there's no worries there. But another thing to keep in mind is many gray market sellers, especially someone like Abe's of Maine, and I'm not saying this to bash Abe's, I've done business with them, uh, they'll want to sell you a U.S. warranty to go along with that gray market item and by time you pay the additional cost for the U.S. warranty so that they'll service it for you, you end up saving almost nothing off buying the U.S. model directly from the authorized seller, you know, Canon, Nikon, whoever the case may be. As a matter of fact, a few years back, I was looking to get a Sigma 12-24 f4 art lens And I went to Abe's of Maine because I figured I'd save me a few bucks on the gray market version. But and of course, uh, they wanted to sell me the extended warranty. And it basically boiled down to the salesman's like, look, you might as well just buy the U.S. model because it's only 50 bucks more by the time you tack on the additional cost for our third party warranty 
you know, so that you have some sort of warranty repair and, and service protection and all that good stuff, you're, you're going to only end up saving 50 bucks. You might as well just buy the U.S. model. So he was really cool um, with me and helped me out with that. So I did end up buying the U.S. imported model of that Sigma lens, and I've had no complaints. It's been a fantastic lens. I really enjoy it, and I love shooting with it. It's just extremely heavy. That's the only downside. And, you know, sometimes you run into that. It just depends on the lens. Now, if you do opt to buy a gray market without a U.S. third-party warranty, you have to keep in mind that you can often get warranty work done on the item, but in order to do so, you'll have to ship it back to the country of origin. So if it's Canon, Nikon, Sony, Fuji, you'll have to ship it back to Japan. If it's Leica, you'll have to uh, ship it to uh, Germany to get the service and then you have to wait weeks to get the item back where with of course a U.S. warranty if you bought a U.S. model here in the States you can ship at the local service center in the U.S. and have your items serviced and back in just a few days. Now as I mentioned before I would not personally buy a gray market body since it is the most important part of my setup. But I do know some professional photographers that buy all gray market items for the savings, and they've had no issues thus far. But you have been warned. So now the question you have to ask yourself is, are gray market items for you? Now, only you can decide that, but be careful and do your homework. Remember the old adage, if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. Okay, so the second thing I wanted to talk about in this week's episode, I didn't want to limit it to just gray market because the episode only ended up being about 10 minutes long and I didn't want to make another one that was super short. So the second part that I wanted to talk to you about this week is personal photography projects. Now, as photographers, we must always strive to find ways to keep from falling into a rut creatively. We have to always be creative and imaginative in our work in order to make our clients happy. Over time, you may find that you have lost that spark as a photographer and is starting to feel too much like a job rather than something that you loved and went to school to get paid for. Now, a good way to stay quote-unquote fresh as a photographer and artist is to keep your passion alive with personal projects. Now, personal projects are photography projects that you come up with that are mostly for fun and to keep the spark ignited, but can also serve a purpose such as raising social awareness or generating revenue from fine art prints or something like that. Now, I personally recommend, and I know of many professional photographers as well, that always have one or two pet projects on the back burner that you work on when you have free time. Now, over time, becoming established as a professional photographer, you may even be commissioned by a client to do a photography project, such as the one Time Magazine sent Ed Kashi on, photographing the incoming Hurricane Sandy in New Jersey with nothing but an iPhone. For me personally, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm working on a personal project right now that I call The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia, and the first book in the series will be released on November 9th of 2020. So again, if you don't know from previous episodes, for this project, I'm traveling the back roads of Georgia, shooting old abandoned buildings, um, uh, small business buildings in all 159 counties. And then I also try to obtain as much historical information on these buildings as well as the counties that they're in to make the project more interesting. 
Now, I'm doing this because, for me, it's it's a real personal thing. Um, as I've mentioned before, I came from a large family of small business owners, and it really breaks my heart anytime I see a small business that has gone out. Um, so I decided to do this project as a way of raising a bit of awareness to the plight of small businesses, not only in Georgia, but in the United States as well. Now, yours doesn't have to be a project as massive as the one I'm undertaking. I'm including a couple of shots from my project for inspiration. And also we have one of Ed's from Superstorm Sandy Project he did for time. So I'll include those in the show notes for this episode. So think of a personal project that you would love to do and just do it. You may not be able to devote all of your time and energy to it as other things get in the way, you know, paid clients and stuff like that, but you can at least set some time aside every month to make some progress. So that's all you really have to do. You don't have to be able to dedicate your entire life 24-7 to a personal project, but like I said, it's always good to have something like this that you're working on, that you have goals for, so that you can keep your creativity flowing and not get yourself into that rut as a photographer and it's very easy i mean it doesn't take much for a photographer to get burned out and you know doing the same thing all the time even if it's something you started out doing because you were very passionate about it you really love doing it we can all get burned out i mean it's human nature if you do the same thing day in and day out without doing any kind of having any kind of creative outlet, you're going to get burned out. You're going to get into a rut and then your work's going to suffer. You're going to hate being a photographer and you're going to eventually just give it up. So I always recommend taking on something in the form of a personal project or a pet project that you're really passionate about that can help keep that spark going and keep your creative juices flowing. Now, some photographers like to just volunteer their time as a way of keeping from getting into a rut, whether they donate their time taking photographs for, say, the ASPCA or something like that. Um, Some photographers also like to volunteer their time to take photographs of terminally ill um, infants at hospitals. I haven't done that one yet myself. I thought about it a couple of times, but I really love kids, and I don't know. I think it might just, uh, (laughs) it might be rough for me to handle doing that uh, that kind of work, but I have done volunteer work as well before i used to shoot um wildlife photographs for an organization in the atlanta uh, area called aware and they're a wild animal rescue so they basically take in wild animals that have been injured or whatever the case may be they nurse them back to health now oftentimes these animals become quasi-domesticated so then they're not able to release them back to the wild once they've been physically rehabilitated but sometimes they're able to and they did an awesome uh, uh, mini project if you will uh, rescuing a Canadian goose a number of years back that had been shot by a bow and arrow and the goose survived and they raised the funding to cover the costs um, because they're a volunteer organization and they did surgery on the goose and they were able to successfully remove the arrow uh i think it was in its neck if i remember right and they were able to rehabilitate the goose completely and then re-release it back into the wild as a healthy animal 
And I've always been an animal person. Um, although I hunted for a good share of my life, I didn't do it for sport. You know, I did it for the meat to feed the family. Um, but I've always enjoyed animals and loved animals. I've enjoyed doing nature photography myself, um, including the cover of National Geographic's Big Cats textbook, uh, which I, I got a few years back. I've always enjoyed shooting wildlife um, with my camera, not, not, not with the guns. I don't hunt anymore um, just because I don't really need to. Um, but I do enjoy documenting and photographing animals. So I did that for a couple of years as a volunteer photographer for the AWARE group in Lithonia, Georgia. And I really enjoyed it. It's a great bunch of people there. They're very passionate about, you know, saving and rehabilitating injured and wounded animals. And like I said, they have quite a few animals there that are permanent residents that they've rehabilitated that just cannot be released back into the wild, either because their injury even though it's been treated and they're as healed as they can be the animal's not a hundred percent so they wouldn't stand a very good chance of surviving back out on the wild but you can do something like that like i said you can do uh, volunteer work for a nonprofit, you know with your camera just something to keep yourself fresh and to keep the creativity flowing and to keep yourself from getting burned out and bored so go ahead and think about that as something that you can do going forward to always keep your photography fresh find yourself a personal pet project or do some volunteer work uh, for a nonprofit as a photographer donate your time and your skills and you'll find that it'll help you stay creative and it'll also help out you know an organization that could probably really use it to help raise money for their cause all right, I am going to go ahead and wrap up 86, episode 86 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for sus- subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else that you might be listening to the show. And to remind you to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. Now, that is a closed group. Uh, You have to answer a question in order to join the group, and that question is the name of the host of the show, which is myself, Liam, Uh, or I have opened it up so you could also give the names of any of the guests I've had on the show since it started. That would be Ruben Naha, Jill Mott, John Harvell, um, Jeff Harmon, and Brett Bergram from the Master Photography Podcast. And then Jeff also has the Photo Taco Podcast. Brent has the Latitude Photography Podcast. So you can give their names as well. Um, There's also the lovely and talented Miss Ellie Cat, who is a model and actress, as well as a very smart geologist and her boyfriend and partner in adventure, Dan. Um, They have their new YouTube channel, and I had them on the show Uh, just a couple of months ago talking about their new uh, YouTube channel. So you could give their names as well. And also, I wanted to remind my listeners that you can call or text the show at 470-294-8191. If you have any questions or comments or a topic you'd like to hear covered on an upcoming episode, or maybe a guest that you'd like me to see if I could try to get on the show for an interview, you can additionally email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Now, if you remember, I did mention that the summer contest with the tripod giveaway
giveaway was going to be starting soon and i apologize i got a little bit sidetracked the last week um, so i haven't started it yet but it will most likely be starting this coming monday and then like i said it's going to run for 60 days so it'll wrap up at the tail towards the tail end of october of 2020 and i'll be giving away a carbon fiber tripod to the lucky winner so make sure you keep an eye on the Liam photography podcast facebook group because that's where all of the details for the contest will be posted as well as the link to enter the contest get your name in there so that you have a chance of possibly winning that grand prize okay i want to thank you all again for listening and i will see you again in another seven days for episode 87